Hey everyone, welcome into this episode of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Jake Wallace, Lindsey Goff with you on this Monday afternoon. Uh, Lindsey, we had a really good week of high school football Friday night, and then college football was entertaining as always on Saturday as well. We'll get into a little of both of those things, but we'll start on the Friday night football field. Um, a lot of interesting results. We saw Chatham County Public Schools play for the first time and weren't, weren't always great games, a little sloppy, but some results that I think made people, you know, open their eyes a little bit, especially over um, with Jenkins and Islands. We'll get into that game in just a little bit, but uh, wanted to get your takeaways from Friday night, and then we had two games on Saturday as well. What do you think specifically about those Chatham County games? Yeah, I mean, you can tell that they haven't played where the other teams have. You see some of those early season penalties and uh, just little mistakes that you probably wouldn't normally make, but it's it's the first game. Uh, so it, it, it's weird because they're almost like behind the other schools in that way. And it's, it's no fault of their own just because their season started so late. But um, definitely some impressive wins, especially Islands, really came out and performed. Uh, and their new stadium is also beautiful. I got to go out there on uh, Saturday. Really, really nice new stadium. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Chatham County schools had, I don't want to call them growing pains, but early season pains. And I think maybe next by next Friday – we'll start to see them kind of settle in and adjust. Yeah, those early season, that early season rust to be expected. I think even the coaches and the players would tell you they, they didn't expect to play their best game Friday or Saturday. And I wanted to ask about the energy, though. What did you see from these teams that have been uh, kind of on the sidelines for this first month of the season, ready to play, basically playing for a city championship this year? Um, what did you see energy-wise out of out of the sidelines? You could tell they were all excited to be out there, coaches included. Uh, you talked about the sideline. Every sideline I saw, the players were full of energy and happy to be back out on the field. You know, they've spent the past month watching everybody else. Uh, so they're definitely excited to get their seasons underway. And you can't blame them. We're excited to have them back. Yeah, no doubt. One of the teams that we saw – Friday night up close and personal was the Benedictine Cadets, and they were one who certainly impressed me Friday night. Uh, the Cadets improved to 5-0 and with a 41-29 win over Wayne County in Jessup. And, Lindsay, this was a, a cadet team that trailed at halftime 23-20 and then really just kind of flexed their muscles in the second half, they took a 27-23 lead in the third quarter. And then this was the sequence that, to me, decided the game. You get the touchdown pass to Trent Brodnax. They force a fumble on the ensuing kickoff. And then a few plays later, it's a touchdown pass to Zaquan Bryan. And just like that, what was a 27-23 game with 12 minutes to play is now 41-23. And the game was basically in hand at that point. And to me, it showed – just how dangerous, just how explosive this Benedictine team can be. Um, they found another gear, and in a span of about seven, eight plays, what was a four-point lead is now an 18-point lead, and the game's over. Yeah, I want to give Wayne County props because they really hung in there until the end. 
but um, BC just has that other level that they tapped into. Um, and there in the first half, it was back and forth, you know, both teams scoring nearly every drive, it felt like, um, just constant touchdowns. Uh, I kept getting the notifications when I was at the um, Long County Jeff Davis game. And then, yeah, BC just hit that other gear and really were able to pull away. Um, it just shows how talented that team really is. Um, definitely deserving of that 5-0. and Yeah, and, and, and like you said, Wayne County played well. Wayne County did not play poorly. They had a few mistakes, but um, were able to put 29 points on the board and, and were physical like we expect them to be. But, you know, BC just has a little bit more – has some speed and they have some, some weapons that they can take advantage of, and they did um, in that second half to, for a 12-point win over Wayne County. Up next for the cadets, they go to Ware County. Uh, that should be a really fun game down in Waycross. The other team that I wanted to mention in terms of teams who impressed, you, we kind of touched on earlier, the Island Sharks. In the first game of the year, 26-8 over Jenkins, the first win over the Warriors in Sharks history. And it was senior QB Jaden Adams doing the damage for Islands, four touchdowns on the night, two through the air, two on the ground. We spoke with Islands head coach Deshaun Printup on Friday. He told us how much, how motivated this team was, how much they wanted to prove exactly where who they were and where they stood in terms of the rest of the Chatham County schools. Dare to say they did that Friday night with a pretty dominant performance over a Jenkins team that also has a lot of talent. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Jenkins is not a bad team by any means. They returned Demasio Harris, their star running back. Uh, but Islands looked really, really good on Friday night. And uh, Jaden Adams, of course, was one of our play of the week contenders. Also, uh, one of his touchdowns that he ran in. Uh, certainly a fun game, and I think Islands will be a lot of fun to watch this season. Yeah, the Sharks will take on Johnson uh, this Thursday night in a battle of 1-0 teams in Chatham County. But um, certainly Islands put not just Savannah and Chatham County on notice. I think they made a statement kind of towards the rest of the state as well that this team's not going to be a pushover, and, and they're really looking to do some things here in 2020. A couple other uh, notes for you. How about Beaufort and May River, both with dominant performances Friday night, Beaufort at home over James Island, where that game was in control really the whole time. The Eagles led, I think, 28 nothing, something like that at halftime. And then May River, 56-6 over crosstown rival Bluffton. Now, these two are going to square off this Friday night, an early season matchup for both of them. The winner is going to be in the driver's seat for the region title race. Uh, these two teams were the ones that everyone kind of expected to be the two best in that region, and we'll get to see them play uh, Friday night in Bluffton, where Buford beat May River last year, one of the very few teams to beat the Sharks in recent memory. Uh, looking forward to that one this Friday night over in Bluffton. And then got to mention the, the performance of Greg Daniel, the Army commit at Calvary Day, five touchdowns in the Cavaliers' win over FPD Friday night, four rushing touchdowns into pick six for Mr. Daniel, who has been great for the Cavaliers 
all season, but that might have been his best performance of the year of his career, possibly, in a big win for Calvary. So it was a good Friday night. I was really excited. I thought all the games had a lot of interest. I think a lot of the games kind of proved some stuff, and now we're starting to really kind of kick into region play and, and some games that, that mean even more for a lot of teams. So we're starting to get into the real season of high school football. And uh, I'm looking forward to what the next few Friday nights hold for us. All right, Liz, let's turn our attention to college football and a, a fun Saturday. Uh, we had some upsets. Oklahoma knocked off again. Texas knocked off at home by TCU. And some dominant performances in the SEC. And the one that I think highlighted for, for everyone Georgia 27-6 over Auburn in a game that probably wasn't even that close. The Dogs won every facet of this game and won it handedly, and it showed in the results. Georgia fans were probably a little on edge after the Arkansas win. A lot of questions were answered Saturday night against Auburn. Yeah, it was the first top ten matchup of the college football season in 2020. And for Dogs fans, at least, it certainly did not disappoint, um, especially here. I think in southeast Georgia, people probably excited to see Stetson Bennett get the start for the Dogs after his second-half performance against Arkansas. He delivered, as he always does, a uh, nice performance against the Tigers. And uh, George Pickens also played a really good game. Um, Georgia certainly – flexing their muscles a little bit and showing that they're legitimate this season. Yeah, this, this was an all-around performance from Georgia. There's no doubt. D defensively, they held Auburn to under 40 yards total rushing, rushed for 200-plus by themselves. Stetson Bennett was, was good, had moments, but you know, was, didn't make many mistakes, threw for 240 and a touchdown, and Kiaris Jackson with a breakout game, nine for 147, didn't get to the end zone. That was one thing he said he needs to do next, but still a great performance out of the Peach County native. Um, but to me, the story was defensively and the offensive line improvement for Georgia that showed in this game is something that I think will give Georgia fans a little sigh of relief as they move forward. Because after the Arkansas game, there were questions about Hey, the offensive line did not look great in those first few moments. They just, you know, took it to Auburn any which way they wanted to. And that's a good Auburn defense. So a, a big win for Georgia, I think, one that sets up the dogs um, for really good things. If they can continue this, of course, ranked matchup with Tennessee this Saturday right here on WTOC. That'll be a 330 SEC on CBS game. And then, in two weeks, the, the night game at Tuscaloosa, Georgia at Alabama, 8 o'clock, and that's one you'll see right here on WTOC as well. For more on Georgia's win and moving forward, we have a quick interview with Dog Post's Dean Leggy does some great work covering the Georgia Bulldogs and was kind enough to join me right here on the WTOC Sports Podcast. All right, Dean Leggy from Dog Post joining us on the WTOC Sports Podcast. Dean, you were at Sanford Stadium Saturday. You were in Fayetteville the week before. How much better was this performance over Auburn than the season opening performance against Arkansas? Well, all you had to do was look at the first quarter and see the production that Georgia had. It doesn't take you being there to know that they just were better 
in the second game. They just, they felt more comfortable. I'll say that in the stadium um, when you when you watch the offense run out there. But the defense was, you know, they're going to be hard to deal with for everybody, no matter who they are. Clemson, Florida, you know, Ohio State, Georgia's defense is difficult to deal with. So when you watch the first part of that game, it can't be surprising that Georgia's defense dominated. And then the offense just felt a lot more comfortable against Auburn than it did against Arkansas. Yeah, you mentioned that defense held Auburn to 39 total yards rushing, less than two yards a carry. Everyone knew this defense was going to be really good after what they did a year ago and what they had returning. But is it possible that this year's defense is better? They might be a little bit better than they were last year. We're going to have to see how things go over time. I mean, when someone like Nolan Smith, a Savannah native, is not playing basically every down, um, that tells you where you're at as a defense. So I, I think that um, there's just there's the, the thing that maybe to me doesn't come across on TV as much as it does live is just how much faster Georgia's defense is than whoever they are that they're playing. I mean, they are blazing fast. And the, um, the guys that are blitzing, uh, particularly the guys that blitzed Bo Nix the other night, they looked like they were shot out of a cannon. They were rolling. And, you know, he's one of those – I'm trying to think. Bo Nix is probably as athletic as any quarterback in the country. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence can really run and get away from people. Bo Nix is in that, you know, ballpark. And he, he snuck away a couple of times, but for the most part, he had no time. He was constantly running for his life. Um, this, the, you never think of it this way, but Georgia's defense is totally a weapon for them. That's a, that's a good way to put it, and, and they've been really good this year so far, obviously, against both Arkansas and Auburn. Dean Leggy, Dog Post, joining us. Let's talk about Georgia's quarterback, the guy that – Really didn't get any of the pub this offseason when we were talking about who the quarterback would be. That'd be Stetson Bennett the fourth, uh, the Blackshear native. Played, you know, did what he had to do Saturday. Didn't have to make too many spectacular plays, but made a few. Dean, besides just his play, I think the thing that's impressed me the most, and you've seen this probably more than anybody. Stetson Bennett has the absolute backing and respect of everybody on that Georgia sideline, and that's a huge key. Yeah, it is, and and I think the part that's undervalued with Stetson really is, you know, are his physical tools. The the spin away uh, and, you know, reverse bootleg, I guess, that he had uh, against Auburn, you know, I've not seen something like that at Sanford Stadium. Um, You know, I mean, DJ Shockley never looked like that. Um, And then the throw right after that was amazing, but... The throw to George Pickens was impressive. But, I mean, he Stetson didn't play as well as he can play. That's the part that's so, you know, I don't know about frightening, but that's the part to remember about this team is that, yeah, he does. People know him. And he didn't complain. And he, you know, the difference between Stetson, I think, and a lot of people who play sports in college is, you know, Stetson's dream was to play in college at Georgia. And um, he had to come to grips with the fact that his dream might not come true. And um, that, I think, is a hard thing to, to reconcile with. 
And he did that. Um, and now he has continued to uh, fight the entire time he's been up there and to uh, and now to perform. So I, I think we get so used to that he's not as big as everyone else, that he's been a walk-on, and that he left and came back, that we're not seeing what's obvious, which is he is actually a really good quarterback and something that's hard for other people to deal with because of his, uh, his playmaking ability. But he's got to be surgical, calm, and get the job done because right now everything's all good and there's happy feelings everywhere. Georgia's, Georgia fans feel like they've kind of gotten like a two-for-one deal or something. But inevitably, quarterbacks don't play well. And that will be the real challenge for Stetson. The good news for him is I'm not sure that anything he sees moving forward in terms of um, being in the national spotlight or anything like that, I think he's already been through the most traumatic thing that he's going to deal with in college, which was leaving. People here have seen him in this area. Obviously, when he played at Pierce County, he was a star, and, and we got to see him. And, and kid can play. They, you know, Anyone who's played against him, I don't think is going to be that surprised or anybody who's practiced with him or played with him is going to be that surprised by what he's done these first, uh, you know, two and a half or game and a half. Looking ahead for Georgia, two more ranked matchups um, in the next two games, host Tennessee this Saturday. That'll be a 3.30 game right here on WTOC. And then the big one that we've all been looking forward to, the trip to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama, that one 8 p.m. on WTOC on October 17th, but it would be it would be wrong for Georgia to look past the Tennessee Volunteers, correct? Well, they're a legitimate, you know, conference foe. Yes, I mean, I think if you look past them, you could be in a real dogfight at the end. Tell me about what Georgia can accomplish over these next two games. No, you know, going – Going 2-0 and against Tennessee and Alabama would clearly put them in a huge position for the college football playoff. But what, what do you want to see out of Georgia these next, game, these next two games besides just victories? Well, you want to see the offense be functional. I mean, you know, against Tennessee, Tennessee's making their money with the offensive line. Um, and that's good. That'll keep them around the game. It's going to make it tough to win the game. They're going to need uh, – Garantano to play well. They're going to need running backs to do things that the Auburn running backs couldn't do. I mean, Tennessee does not have the skill players that uh, Auburn does. They do have the line, but Georgia shut down the Auburn offense completely. Um, against Alabama, which is probably the best, it, I think they might be the best offense in football. I mean, you watch Clemson. Clemson is good, no question, but there, there's something's not quite right on their offensive side of the ball right now. So Alabama does look like the best offense. So they'll be going strength on strength there. The thing about this one, Jake, and, and you're, the folks that watch you know, CBS and Savannah will see these next two weeks, is that you know, Georgia has a tremendous opportunity from here on out. You know, the Tennessee game will be another ranked team that they play. You know, if you can get a win there, that gives you two wins, two top 15 wins going into a class for – the winner of the Georgia-Alabama game is going to be the number one team in the country. And, um, you know, Georgia, <laughs> I'm not sure they don't win that game because they're just so 
difficult to deal with on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it, it's tough to play on the road still, and that's going to be the one thing that Georgia's offense will have to deal with. It does look like you can run against Alabama a little bit. Um, their defense is not quite as suffocating as they, you know, as we have grown to know them to be, but. There's, they 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 probably are the best team in the country right now. It looks like to me, and um, you know for Georgia, these are opportunities. Very few people are going to give them a chance to win in Alabama, which I think is insane because these are both two very good teams. And then secondly, you know if you win that game, you are I mean you're not going to be in Atlanta for sure, but you're you're headed that way. And uh, but I think. The, the likelihood that the SEC gets two teams in the playoff, I think, is pretty high this year. Just seeing how bad the Big 12 is and, and knowing that the Big 10 and the, and the ACC will get one in each. So I, I, I think Georgia, it, the winner of Georgia-Florida will probably be in the playoff. Um, but with the Alabama game, you're playing you know, with house money there. You, you win that game and you... I think you're probably in the playoff. I know that's way too early to say stuff like that, but there's just not a lot of teams that can beat Georgia after they play Alabama. You know, Florida can, but after that it gets real thin. So, I mean, if you arrive in Atlanta undefeated or with one loss, you're probably going to the playoff. Probably. Not certainly, but probably. It's what Georgia fans want to be, and we're going to have a lot of fun to watch them over the next two weeks. Georgia-Tennessee this Saturday, then Georgia-Alabama the Saturday after both those games right here on WTFC. Dean Leggy, Dog Post, thanks for the time. Looking forward to the following the dogs the rest of the season with you. Uh, 2020, it's different, it's weird, but it's probably going to be a whole lot of fun. Thanks for the time, Dean. You got it. All right, I want to thank Dean for his time and his insight into – uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, 27-6 winners over Auburn Saturday and a pair of two more ranked games coming up for Georgia beginning this Saturday, Tennessee and the Dogs, 3.30 on WTOC. Georgia Southern, Lindsay escaping by the hairs on their chinny-chin-chin, 35-30 winners over ULM, making a game-winning tackle at the, what, six-inch line of ULM quarterback Caleb Suits as time expired and win 35-30. This was a ULM team that entered the game 0-3, that had lost all three of their games by 20 points or more. And all week, Southern said, we cannot worry about what their record is. We cannot worry about what the past results were. We have to play. They won, but it was not the best performance out of Georgia Southern that we've seen this season? Well, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, they barely beat Campbell in that first game. That that game, they didn't look so hot. And then I felt like the last game they looked okay, but they lost. So Georgia Southern certainly having some struggles, I think, this season. But um, a win is a win, and, you know, they're two straight weeks on the road. They're back at uh, Paulson. So, you know, they managed to get back home with at least one win out of that road trip. The thing that I think I took away from this game, Lindsay, and I had to kind of go back and look at the box score and, and rewatch some of the game to, to make sure that I wasn't wrong about this, was Southern had 
a couple chances to really put this game away. And for a team like – and in a game like this that can – things can happen if you let teams hang around and you give them hope. Yeah. Like the ULM. And Southern did that a couple times here. You know, right before halftime, they go on a eight-and-a-half-minute drive just, you know, just running the ball and just pounding the rock for eight and a half minutes to go up 21-10 and then get the ball to start halftime. If they make a stop on that final drive for ULM instead of letting them score at halftime, it's possibly Southern up 28-10 midway in the, or to start the third quarter. And now we're looking at, okay, this thing might be over. And then again, after they block the punt, it's 35-17 and Southern's in control and unable to put them away again. And that's the thing I think that is going to frustrate Georgia Southern fans and probably the Eagles themselves is because you know this team watching the film on Sunday knew that. They, they saw it. They played it. They knew they could have put this game away early if they execute a, a little bit better in certain moments and just didn't. And, and we've heard Chad Bunsford say that multiple times. We've got to put games away. We've got to learn how to finish. They didn't show that on Saturday night, but still came away with a win, and that's the most important thing. Now you get basically 11 days before App State comes to town for a national television game in Statesboro on a Wednesday night. Southern's beaten the Mountaineers the last two years. They're going to go into this game with plenty of confidence. A win against App would be a big step towards Southern probably feeling a lot better about themselves than maybe they do right now, even sitting at two and one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they really let ULM hang around. ULM had a chance to win it at the end, and luckily George Southern able to hold it off. But um, I, I don't think you can let App State get that close because uh, that's a rivalry game and that's a good football team. And I think that App would take advantage of that. So that's something Southern's really going to have to work on uh, in preparation for that game. You know, one thing we do need to note about the, this App game, scheduled for uh, the 14th, App is dealing with some COVID cases in the program. Um, the, they, were scheduled, they were scheduled to play Louisiana um, this coming week. That's now been postponed due to a number of cases with the Mountaineers. And it sounds like, according to some people, Ethan Joyce of the Winston-Salem uh, Journal tweeting out today, I want to make sure I get this right, uh, App State head coach Sean Clark telling on the Sunbelt Media Call saying he's meeting with the ASU athletic director um, to kind of give an update on the status of this October 14th game between Southern and App. So that's one thing to watch in this college football season of 2020 when things are always changing. That's something that, that Southern fans need to keep an eye on, that this game right now still scheduled, but things could be changing here in the next nine or so days. So be sure to stay tuned to WTFC. We'll be updating you as we learn more. But just one note that we wanted to give out on this Monday as uh, Southern prepares for Appalachian State at home next week, next Wednesday, against the Mountaineers. Uh, Clemson kind of just slugged through a 41-23 win over Virginia. That, that feels weird to say that the Tigers didn't show their best 
but still won by 18 points against a pretty decent ACC foe. Got actually outgained on the ground by the Cavaliers, but I think that shows you kind of the talent that Clemson has, that they, they didn't play their best. They admitted it after the game that they have a lot to improve on, that they have a lot better performances in them, and they still win by three touchdowns. So Clemson's still the team to beat in the ACC, though. We'll find out a lot this Saturday when they play Miami. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence said that he was disappointed in an 18-point win. So uh, that, that says a lot about the Tigers, I think. And then South Carolina also pretty disappointed in themselves, I'm sure, falling 38-24 at Florida. That game was, um, you know, a couple late scores by the Gamecocks helped get that game back to 14 points. Um, thought Kevin Harris, the former Hinesville, uh, former, the Hinesville native, former Bradwell star led uh, both teams in rushing, had 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, but Carolina struggling to tackle. Gamecocks had the ball for like 36 minutes in this game. And Florida just went right up and down the field uh, several times. The, the highlight catch from Kadarius Tony, where he split like five Gamecock tacklers on his way to the end zone, not going to be on the end of the year highlight reel for South Carolina. This is a team that's going to have to start turning it around and turning it around quick. Um, but the chances to do so continue to be tough. You look at their next – they're at Vanderbilt next week, and then it's Auburn at home, at LSU, A&M at home, at Mississippi, who looks a lot better than people thought they might be, and then you've got Missouri, UGA, and, and Kentucky. That, that all-SEC schedule, uh, not an easy one for anyone, and Carolina's got a rough slate of it over the next few weeks. Yeah, the all-SEC schedule is really tough. Uh, my Wildcats obviously feeling that as well. So, Gamecock fans, I feel your pain. Um, South Carolina looked all right, I think, early on against Florida. But Florida just really able to wear them down and uh, exploit their weaknesses and do what the Gators typically do. Yeah, that Florida offense is no joke. I mean, giving up 30 po 38 points to Florida is, is you know, nothing to – to feel about that Kyle Trask to, to Pitt's um, combination is looks as good as any in the country. Um, but I think Gamecock fans will tell you that that was a, a rough showing Saturday. And as you look on down the line, there's going to need to be some wins for, for South Carolina to, to kind of even show where they thought they'd be this season. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the WTOC sports podcast. We'll have, one later this week to talk about Friday night's high school football matchups. I've already put the schedule together, Lindsay. There's some really good ones this week that we're going to have a lot of fun to talk about. And we'll be doing that for you later this week on the end zone edition of the WTOC sports podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading everybody. For Lindsay, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you later.